0: Whose pain is worse? This is a question that I see a lot of people internally grappling with. This idea that their pain is worse than someone else's, so they deserve more sympathy and respect and resources. Or alternatively, that their pain is not as bad, and therefore they have no right to be suffering as they are. The idea of trying to compare subjective feelings... So I wanted to sort of really delve deep into this, both on a mental and a physical level in terms of suffering and that sort of stuff, because it's something that's quite important for multiple reasons. If you think you are more deserving of sympathy or less deserving of sympathy than someone else or, you know, quote unquote, the general person, there's different factors that will impact your life. So let's, let's get right into it. Is it possible to know if what you're going through, your past, your trauma, your illness, your disability, is worse than someone else's? Do you have it worse than someone? Now, this is a... It's an impossible question to answer, but my thought immediately goes to the idea that, from my perspective, if I look at two different people, I can sort of judge which person seemingly has it worse the problem with any judgments though is that that's based on my own personal experience i can only judge you based on what i've gone through so i might say that you're you've got a worse or a better experience because i would prefer to have one experience over another right so when i'm judging other people i'm judging them still through my lens but let's take a physical example. What would be worse? Someone stubbing their toe or someone breaking their leg? Or someone breaking their leg compared to someone losing their leg compared to someone becoming paraplegic. You get the idea, right? Who's more, who's more put out? Now, you can very quickly and easily say the person that stubbed their toe got the better end of that deal. And I would agree. But it's still, and it's, Sounds ridiculous saying this, but it's still impossible to know who's objectively experiencing more issue. Now, it's that extreme example sort of does give you a case in point, but where does that line cross over? Is is there a hard line between this is better than that without taking the extreme examples? For example people listen to my story of my past and moving out of home and the whole thing. And they're like, man, I, d- I don't know how I could have, I could never have dealt with that. I could never have lived through that. I couldn't have, you know, I would have ended my own life. I've had that said to me multiple times, which is a separate side note <laughs> issue of, um, not offensive, but it's like, wow, like I, you know, sort of hits you around the head a little bit when people talk like that to you. But it's, it's a, it, I expect it. But then I think about, when they share their story, I'm sort of internally thinking, it's like, well, I got through my story. I don't know if I could have dealt with yours, you know? And I think that it comes down to the idea that I grew up adapting to my own problems, the issues that I had with my father and the other people in my life and the subsequent mental illness and the impacts of trauma and all that sort of stuff. That's the life that I knew. And therefore, I was sort of adapted to dealing with that life so when I see someone else's life with their traumas and their completely different stories, I'm like, oh my God, I couldn't have handled your life. But of course I couldn't have, because for me, it would be like instantly getting that shock of like, holy crap, this is what I have to deal with. But to them, they grew up just dealing with that life. And I think that's the, 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 the counterpoint. They look at me and go, far out, I couldn't have dealt with that. But of course they couldn't have, because they're not used to it. I think it's the same with pain and injury. If you slowly develop an injury, you you get used to it, right? But if you were to instantly get that pain, it's very shocking and hard to deal with. Uh, side, side note on sort of dealing with pain and that sort of stuff. When I'm training my martial art, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's easy to... Well, a couple of things happen. Number one, I'm physically getting stronger and more able to deal with pain as my body improves as my mental state improves something that would have bothered me three years ago is literally no factor so you get stronger with repeated exposure to pain and trauma and damage and that's not saying that training is traumatic sort of low-key traumatic in a sense but it's you get it you adapt to the the needs of the environment i'm pushed very hard by my coach and i've subsequently become very strong because of that so there is that, and I feel that, that there's a correlation between that and physical trauma, at least in my experience. It was terrible at the time. I wouldn't want to repeat it. But I am so much so much stronger because of it now. Right? I can deal with a lot more than I don't I don't think I would have been able to deal with had that trauma not happened. Would I want to relive it? Would I would I would like to click a finger and have it not happen and have the perfect family life with the perfect father and all that sort of stuff? Of course. But given my mental state and given where I am now, I wouldn't much much prefer to be well, it's not I'd much prefer to be i'm I'm grateful for the strength that I've got. The other thing that happened when I was training was I was in a bit of a sort of down on my myself. I was looking at myself and going, oh, woe is me! I've got this, I've got that, and I was sort of hoping that my coach would sort of see that and be like, "Oh, hey, you know it's all it's all good. I'll let you off, I'll let you go easy, all of that sort of stuff, and then I was like, mm that's not really fair. It's not really fair because everyone else in the room is dealing with their own crap. I was looking around and I knew the backstories of a few people and I was looking at them and going, well, I've got this problem and they've got that problem. So who's actually got it worse here? We're both looking for, you know, we both could could be looking for sort of pseudo-sympathy. And then I was looking around the people that I didn't know so well and I'm like, they've probably got their own issues in their life. They're probably dealing with their own craps. So what you know what what by what right do i have to look for sympathy where they're not when they don't i have no idea and then i sort of step back from that and this is sort of the the impetus for this post i've been sitting on this for a while the idea that well you know i've got these problems and they've got their problems and who's to say that my problems are worse than theirs who's to say that i'm being impacted by them more or less than they are being impacted by their problems i, I can't answer that question so then, then I sort of, you know, grinned my teeth, bared it, and kept through, kept going through and kept pushing through the workout that was very hard on that day, just like everyone else in the class did. We all got through the workout. We all pushed, and we were all so grateful at the end to, to get through it, despite all of our individual problems, despite all of our individual mental states being like, you know, woe is me. I deserve this. I deserve to be let off. I deserve to have some sympathy here. Now, this isn't to say and I'm not trying to be like dismissive of the idea that you know some some people are deserving of sympathy or there's all that sort of stuff of course there are times where I've shared and gotten sympathy and of course there will be times that people do deserve sympathy I'm not saying people shouldn't rather what I am saying is is that it's 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 easy to feel it's easy to feel like your own problems are far more significant than the problems of other people and I think the reason being is is that individually or personally, you see every single issue you see the lead up the consequences you feel the pain you 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 go through all of those motions but from the external perspective, all you're seeing is this small snippet. so you know i I know all of the backstory I'm hearing my inner voice saying stop but i I'm pushing myself through so it's every action is a challenge is a painfulness in addition if I've overcome something that I see someone else struggling with it's very easy to think hey I'm I've done this so why can't you and that's obviously flawed logic because you'll be able to do stuff that I can't do and vice versa and the other reason it's flawed is that prior to doing something it's very easy to think that it's impossible or very hard but post doing it after you've done it it's very easy to go, oh, well, that was easy because you've already done it. You've set that path. This is why once someone breaks a record, it's very easy for other people to break that record because they can see that it can be done. The case in point in my life is quitting sugar. About a year ago, I completely quit sugar and basically haven't or haven't on purpose touched it since. And at the time, it was tr- so so ridiculously hard, and cutting down to that level of being able to finally quit took years. Maybe, maybe four years in total of just struggling with overcoming this sugar addiction, and and you know, sort of you know low key issues of body image, which I'm still dealing with, and issues of you know like like basically like a minor eating disorder stuff. Like at times I would be binging and purging and a whole bunch of other terrible stuff. Not, not major, not to the level that I'd be, well, I don't know about the diagnosis or anything like that. But I was really struggling with it for a while there. However, now, it's no factor. it. it like, I'm, I'm not craving it. I don't desire it. There is nothing that appeals to me about sugar treats. And subsequently, I find myself judging people. You know, snap judgments going, well, just quit just, just, I did it. Just, just stop. Just, just don't eat the sugar. Just what's, what's stopping you. And then I'm stepping a step back from that and going, yeah, but it took you, you know, I'm talking to myself here. It took, it took me four years of real legitimate struggle. And I had to start exercising more and meditating and all of these things that I've just sort of locked in place now. So of course that person is struggling. Of course they quote unquote, can't just stop. I mean, Eventually, hopefully, if they, you know, there will be a time where they do just stop. But right now, of course, they're struggling. It is hard. So it's easy to look back upon your own successes and go, well, I just quit. So why can't you just quit? The same thing of, well, I've dealt with my mental illness. Why can't you? There's obvious, you know, obviously, obviously parallels there. And I wanted to sort of go deep into sort of looking at other people's issues, comparing them to your own and that sort of stuff. I found that yeah, you know, in, in my role as a coach, I play this detached perspective in the sense of I will look at my client's situation from a detached perspective and just say, hey, have you considered this? Have you considered that this course of action would be Potentially better than this course of action. Why are you doing this as opposed to doing that? Could you try this? And I'm sort of, pose my clients the question. And then we sort of delve deep on ways they can implement different actions. And it's sort of like I'm playing this detached perspective. The idea being that, well, this is what other people have done. Here's, these are the resources. Here's the stories. Could we implement this in your life? Could you quit sugar too? Here's how I did it. Here's how other people have done it. What what strategies would be the best way to deal with your current problems? And I sort of look at it from a increasingly detached perspective, an outsider's perspective. And the reason this works and the reason my clients see results is the same reason that it seems easy for you to see solutions in your friends' and family's lives. People will complain and say that they've got issues. And because you've dealt with those issues in your ways and they still haven't, it's very easy to go, well, you could try this. This worked for me. So that's sort of, in a sense, what I'm doing, but on a deeper level. And it's not that tripe. It's, it's, you know, this is what research suggests. This is what world-class performers suggest. This is what has been proven for me and other people. In the sense that here's a problem, here are some solutions. And then it's on the client to listen and then start implementing those. And sort of my role will be to troubleshoot. So I want to sort of drill drill down on that a little bit. That it can be easier to see solutions for other people's problems. Because you've already overcome them. You're looking at it from a detached perspective. I'll be talking to people about their jobs and... You know, this is part of the impetus for my book, The Wage Slave Anthology. They'll be complaining about it for so long and talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. Their mental state is going to shit. They hate their work life, all of that sort of stuff. And the solution seems very simple, and that is to quit and find a new job. And there are ways that they can build up a savings bank or deal with it or find a new job. Like, there's many solutions to all of the problems that initially come up. How do I know these solutions work? Because I've lived them and I've seen other people live them. And, you know, that work work balance or hating that work-life thing is something that really gets to me. And it's like, hey, try this, try that. And they feel stuck. And it's a very small percentage of people that do take that action. And it gets to me because it's like you can take that action. You could take that action. And then once again, I step back just like I do in the gym and go... Well that's easy for you to say Zach you've dealt with it in your own way so now what I'm trying to do from my own perspective and what I'm encouraging you to do is be the be the change you want to see in the world so for me it's it involves talking like this it involves putting out a book like the Wage Slave it involves sharing my story and offering advice and obviously to my coaching clients if they want if they want specific Help and ideas, they're literally paying me for that advice. So it's not coming out of the blue. <laughs> I'm very much less and less offering advice to people that aren't asking for it. And I'm, I'm, I'm very much trying to stop completely because, you know, it's offensive, it's not asked for, and it's not needed. And I don't know the full story. And on the other side of things, I hate it when people give me advice that I haven't asked for. And so, so, so it's sort of like given that, you know, if someone's paying me to be their coach and sort of talk me through their issues and ask for the advice, the advice is more likely to be taken because they're paying for it because they're respecting me as a useful paid resource and that the advice itself is legitimate. It's, it's worked for either me or my other clients or, you know, successful people at large. So I found that offering advice to people that aren't asking for it is just a recipe for disaster. They don't want it and you don't know the full story. So on that note, if you are after coaching, please contact contact me via my website, Zachary phillipscom and we can have a chat about the specifics. I I, I feel that developing that detached perspective, Is or getting someone to help you with a detached perspective, for example, like a psychologist, a financial planner, life coach, that whole thing. Any sort of coach is ideal. I know that I wouldn't be as good at my martial arts if I didn't have a coach coaching me, right? I could sort of figure it out a little bit through books. And prior to starting training formally in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I looked at books and I had a rough idea, but it's very much not the same, you know. I, I was I could read the books for years and still suck and. Yeah, I I read it for a little bit, and then I got into a gym, and I'm like, "Yep, true, do suck." And now having been trained it for maybe five years, and you know all the other martial arts I do for maybe fifteen years, having a real coach really does help. Same thing, finding a good psychologist really does help. Financial planner that can help get your finances in order and knows about that whole world really does help. So getting a detached perspective on overcoming trauma, overcoming anxiety, dealing with depression, getting your shit together really does help. That's why I wrote the books, put the stuff out, do these podcasts. It can help you. But on that topic, helping yourself is possible. And the best way to develop a detached perspective is through meditation. So I can't help but stress enough the idea that meditativeness, going down that path of meditation, is key. So if you're after any information on meditation that helps you to detach and sort of be your own coach... I'll put a link down to my Skillshare courses on meditation and you can get started today. Like I say, it's free to sign up because everything I do is going to be for free. I'm never going to charge if you don't want to pay um, because I just feel like information of this nature should be free. So head over, you can sign up. It's two months free via the link and that gives you access to all my courses and all the courses on Skillshare. And then you can just cancel before the two months is up get started there's no reason not to i i honestly feel like meditation would be the lead key domino in helping you not only sort of detach and step back from your own problems but also to help see the reality of your life and the reality of other people's lives and then sort of help you to deal with those feelings that i addressed at the start of who has it worse woe is me all of that sort of stuff i suppose the final thing that i want to address is the counterplay between complaining and not taking action. There's this is real push online in the mental health community, particularly basically being that people that are dealing with problems, like the ones I'm describing, any sort of mental illness or disability or chronic pain, and it's like, well, they sort of get a bit uppity and a bit upset with people at large for saying, why don't you just do this? Why don't you try exercise? Blah, 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 blah. And I think that it's basically people talking through each other. Some people will complain because they want sympathy, and other people will complain because they want help dealing with their complaints. And I think there's a confusion. And it's very easy for someone who's dealt with the problem to in, to, to assume that everyone complaining is looking for a solution. There are solutions to mental health problems, okay? And it's, it's you know, recovery is slow, it's tedious and it's not ideal and it's 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 never you know it's never going to be perfect but there are ways that you can improve your life functioning no matter your situation in life therapy medication meditation exercise and a bunch of other stuff have been shown to help and it's just about finding the right solution based approach to your particular problems and they could literally just be working on acceptance of your current life state now, that can come across as offensive and particularly to people that are looking for just empathy. And for those people, they're not looking for solutions. They're just looking for a, someone to be, you know, with them, you know, not suffering with them, but understand their pain and be like, yes, it sucks. I'm here with you. I'm hearing your problems. I'm, you know, hugging you, right? And to tell that person to, you know, just exercise or just see a therapist is offensive, or they, they take it as offensiveness, and the person offering the advice feels like they're ungrateful and just complaining about it, you know, not taking action. I know personally, I have the disposition that if someone's complaining, I feel like those complaints do nothing in the sense that it's not helping them to improve. And I would love to see them take action to improve because it just upsets me and doesn't feel like it's serving any purpose unless. They're taking action or they're asking for a solution to the problem. I don't like the idea of complaining about things. That's not to say that those people shouldn't be looking for support networks. I fully, fully, fully support seeking in-person and online support networks. I just don't like when those become this sort of circular, circular just... Tear fest of, woe is me, I'm not going to get better, you're not going to get better, we're all stuck here. I don't believe that you are stuck. I think it's okay to share and talk about, and I fully empathize that. And, you know, my first book was literally being like, hey, these are my problems, woe is me. But I also am taking action to deal with it. And I think that if you are just complaining and you surround yourself with people that are also just complaining and also believe that there is no way out, you are trapping yourself. So be careful of that. Be careful that you don't just share your problems and the people that you are sharing your problems with aren't offering any pushback. Yes, your situation sucks. Yes, theirs sucks. But there is a way out and there are ways out. So, you know, I don't know your situation and your your, your pain is different to my pain and I'm sure that, you know... I wouldn't want to live your life and you wouldn't want to have lived my life, right? I get that. However, what I do know is is that there are other people that have lived very, very, very similar situations to yours and they have healed and improved and others that have gotten worse. So if it's possible for people to heal or people to get worse, I would suggest that you should look at what the people are doing that are healing. Look at the people that are doing that are getting themselves, pulling themselves out of that rut, pulling themselves out of the ghetto, pulling themselves out of a bad relationship or out of past trauma. Look at what they did and start in earnest trying to apply what they have done. Okay? Share, talk, release your pain, talk about it, and connect based on that with other people. Realize you're not alone, but ask the ones that are seemingly to starting to improve how they did it. So I can share my own my own pain and my own problems and how i got through that and if you can connect with that with me you can certainly ask me but find people in your situation so summarizing all of this if you're after any direct coaching like i said i can provide that to you connect with me if you haven't already check out my book how to get your shit together it covers everything that i did to overcome anxiety, defeat depression, move on from trauma, get organized, find meaning, and follow my dreams. It is a self-help book that I wish was written when I was growing up because it just took all of the stuff that I got from hundreds of self-help books that I read and the hours of therapy and all of that sort of stuff and put all all of it into an actionable step so that you can look at it and go, this is what worked for Zach, maybe I'll apply some to me. And I know that some of it won't work for you, but I know that some of it will start making a difference. Check it out. Like I said, everything I do is available for free in the sense that over time, I'll be slowly putting it up online chapter by chapter. Right now, I've got to think about five or six of them out and I'll be slowly putting up more. And in addition, it's a great way to support the podcast. So check it out, grab yourself a copy. I think I'm selling about four and a half per day at this stage, which doesn't really add up to much money on my end but it really does give me a positive boost mentally to go far out people are really appreciating this and and speaking of supporting the podcast i recently got a couple more patreon supporters and every time i get a patreon supporter i get an email and it just it blows my mind that people would choose to contribute small amounts monthly to to what i'm doing here literally getting nothing back just as a little thank you to say, hey, you know, you're worth a cup of coffee every month. The reason I like it is because it, it it shows me that I've got a guaranteed income. And that's important because, you know, book sales and the other stuff that I do online is not guaranteed in the sense that perhaps everyone that likes the books have purchased it and I've hit the limit. So that's, that could happen and that's okay. But it doesn't leave me the ability to feel comfortable and safe in this online work, at least yet. It leaves me going, mm, "I've still got a bit of anxiety, still sort of, still sort of scrambling, still sort of treading water, as opposed to sort of thriving on it." The reason I like Patreon is that it will be basically it's a bunch of you guys saying, "Hey, you are worth my continued Patreonage." Back in the day, a artist would get Patreon from a you know a rich person. And the rich person would basically pay their living wages to survive and do their art, and in turn they would commission art from that person. And Patreon is a way for modern people to do that. But rather than you know one one sort of rich person, it's a bunch of bunch of just average people saying, "Hey, you're worth a dollar a month. Hey, you're worth five dollars a month to keep what you're doing going. I'm showing you that support." And just from from the personal perspective, far out, I can't. I can't help but say thank you because it really shows that you guys care. So I'll chuck the links down below to the book to Patreon and all of that sort of stuff. Just very quickly, I want to update you on what I've just released. Like I said, I've just released Wage Slave. It's out as a paperback, ebook and audiobook, so you can grab yourself a copy. I've just put out a Learn to Lucid Dream Skillshare course. And, you know, it's funny one of the very first videos I did online was a Learn to Lucid Dream and it went viral. 180,000 views, which blew my mind and scared the shit out of me at the time, and I ended up not doing videos for like two two years after that, which I strongly regret now, but I just didn't have the mental space to deal with that popularity. Um, so I'm getting back into the concept of lucid dreaming. I've got that one up, and in a week I'm going to put Learn to Lucid Dream 201, so a follow-up to that video to go a bit deeper. And then I've got a third video already, third third video course already ready to go, called Reality Checks, which is going in depth into the reality checking component of lucid dreaming. So if you're into lucid dreaming or if you're into meditation, head over to Skillshare. Like I said, it's free. Sign up, check out those courses. Get yourself meditating. Get yourself lucid dreaming. And yeah, finally, if you want to connect with me, I'm on social at Zach P Phillips. Catch ya.